How are you all doing today? Trust you had a, a good Christmas. And today is a special day, isn't it? It's the last day of this year. So this morning I want to share a word with you about expectations. So the question is, what are your expectations as we go into a new year? What are you expecting? And what do you think God expects of you, of me? What is God expecting of us? Expectations. Expectation really is a good word to describe active faith, isn't it? Because when we have an active faith, we are expecting. And I want us to look at a scripture, Luke chapter 3 and verse 15. If you want to bring that up to me. Luke 3, 15. This is 2,000 years ago in the land of Israel. It says, now as the people were in expectation. The people were in expectation. And all reason in the hearts of it, John. This is about John the Baptist. Remember, the Lord had sent John the Baptist to make way for the Lord. And so the people were in expectation. The people were expecting the Messiah. And so when they saw John and they saw what God was doing, they were wondering, is he the one? Is the Messiah going to be revealed now? There was an expectation, and with expectation comes an awe. So I hope today that our hearts are full of expectation. Because the days that we live spill forward 2,000 years. Our expectation in our heart should be Jesus can come back anytime. Could be today, could be tomorrow. Is this going to be the day where we receive Joel prophesy coming to fulfillment, the pouring out of the Spirit of God on all flesh? Hearts, as we enter a new year, should be an expectation. Psalm 62 verse 5, my soul Wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. My expectation is from Him. Our expectation is from the Lord. Some translations, instead of saying expectation, they use the word hope. Expectation and hope go hand in hand, don't they? Because when you have expectation, you're full of hope. You're full of hope. Romans 5, 5. Now hope does not disappoint. 
because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Hope does not disappoint. Hope and expectation are tied together. They do not disappoint. They do not disappoint, but they point to guaranteed outcomes. Guaranteed outcomes. Our expectation in the Lord. We know that what God has spoken will be fulfilled. We know what is written in Scripture will surely come to pass. We don't always know how exactly when. But we know it will surely come to pass. And so we are in expectation. Even it tells you in Scripture that the whole of creation is in expectation. Romans 8, 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. All of creation is in expectation. So when you look out and you see the mountains, you see the volcanoes, you see the sea, all of creation is in expectation. In expectation. Philippians 3.20 For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in Scripture we see that we are commanded in Scripture to have this eager, earnest, hopeful expectation of God revealing Himself. God to reveal Himself in compassion, in miracles, in signs, in wonders, in redemption, in deliverance, in healing, making that which is broken whole. This is our expectation because it's in, it is who God is and He is faithful to His Word. So let us really ponder as we get ready to enter into a new year to have hope and expectation of the Lord. Have you ever met people that have zero hope? Are they your favorite friends? Do you like going out with them? It's really miserable to go out with people like that, isn't it? They have no hope, no expectation. But if you're with people that are full of expectation and hope, there's something very contagious about it, isn't there? Because it drops off on everybody else. Everybody wants to join in. Never ever lose hope. And never take hope away from people. Many years ago, I remember when my mother was ill and she was taken into hospital. And so she ended up in this, ward, this room where there were just two patients. And it so happened that the other woman that was also in that room was another believer. And one of my relatives were like, oh, here they are, these two old women. And all they talk about is the expectation of God coming to heal them. 
And I looked at the person and said, don't you know, you never take away people's hope and faith. They looked at it and they were kind of giggling and laughing about it. I thought, this is wonderful. The Lord has put another believer in the same room as my mother. And the two of them are encouraging each other and talking about what they're going to do when God heals them and they're out of there. Well, that's, that's biblical. That should be always our expectation. We should never rob people of hope or expectation. Have faith. Because it is not about who uh, and what we can do. It's always about primarily who God is and his faithfulness to us. And so we are full of expectation as we go into the new year of restoration, signs, miracles and wonders. Why? Because his word is true. I remember years ago listening to uh, teaching about and testimonies from people how they were entering into the throne room and making intercessions. And some people just seem to, you know, have visions and they're seeing things. And I'm thinking, I'm not seeing anything. And then the preacher said, and this, this became a Holy Spirit of revelation to me. The preacher said, it doesn't matter if you're not experiencing anything because the fact is that God's word says that you are seated together with Christ Jesus in the heavenly. And so you are seated together with Christ Jesus, whether you feel it or not. And I thought, this is so true. And it changed the way that I would pray. This changed the way I pray because I know I am seated I don't need to feel it. I don't need to see the angels. I know because the word of God says the word of God is eternal and truthful. Even if we don't have the experience at that particular time. Another time, I remember Debbie's dear mother giving a testimony and in the testimony she shared about then Jesus entered into the room. How there were people on the other side going, oh, I can't believe that, I can't believe that. I'm thinking, what is this? Does Jesus not himself say, for two or three are gathered together, I will be there? Who are you to question? Because actually you're not questioning a person. You are in disagreement with the word of God. Do not, do not talk people out of their experience with the Lord. If it is according to the word of God, do not question it. Just because you didn't see Jesus, the word of God says because he's omnipresent. When you go in and you do all the prophetic activation and people ask you, where's Jesus in the room? Every answer that people come up with will be true. Why? Because the Word of God tells us that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Read the book of Psalms. Everywhere you go, God will be there. 
So, the word of God is true, is eternal, it is true. We were singing it. Speak that which is true. Speak that which is true. A living in hope is being joyful, being powerful. Let's just remind ourselves about Joel chapter 2. This could be what we enter into this year. And it shall come to pass afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see vision. And also on my men servants and my maiden servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of fire of smoke. The sun shall turn into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance. And the Lord has said, among the remnant shall the Lord cause. This, this, this could be it. Joel's army. It's been prophesied a billion souls in the kingdom of God. And that billion soul then becomes the foundation for another three billion. Why not? Why not? Did the Lord not say one will be left, one will be taken? You don't need to be a mathematician to know that's 50%, huh? He's made it quite easy to, for us to grasp. The last few weeks I've been reading a book by a preacher called Ken Fish called On the Road with the Holy Spirit. And he describes the various trips he's taken around the world and what's been happening in the meetings. And what really, really struck me is many meetings, 100% healings. Meaning, those that came for healing, every one of them were healed. Now this is biblical. Because the first church was like that. And the last church will be like the first church. In fact, Jesus said, even greater things you will do. So this should be our aim. This, this I think, should be our aim. This is what we should be expecting. Don't lower your expectation based on what you have seen over the last so many years. Expectation has to be based on the word of God and his promise. The first church, it says that everyone that came to Jesus, they were all healed. When he went into places, they were all healed, everyone that came to him. Some don't come, but those that come, they were all healed. That should be our expectation, nothing less. And there's no reason why that cannot happen here. It amazes me God chooses to use people, doesn't he? For healings, 
If you think about how many people are healed because Jesus supernaturally appeared to them and they are healed versus how many people are healed because Jesus uses some people to lay hands on them and to pray for them and then they're healed. So let's just check it out. Is there anyone in here that's ever received some kind of healing in their life? Anybody put your hand up? Yes? Look at the hands. Turn right now and look at the hands. Turn right now and look at the hands. There's quite a lot of hands. Okay, keep your hand up. Out of those with their hands up, how many of you, there were no people involved, it was only Jesus, nobody prayed for you. If it was only Jesus, nobody prayed for you, take your hand back down. Okay, you didn't understand. Okay, out of those of you that were healed, I'm trying to ascertain if you were healed by divine appointment only or if there was a human being or a sister or brother praying for you. So, take your hand down and then let's see. Put your hand back down. How many of you, somebody prayed for you and that's how you were healed? All the hands are back up. Put your hand down. How many of you, nobody prayed for you, it was just Jesus that showed up and healed you? Yes. We've got four. So here you see, there were four people, but by this divine intervention, but everybody else, God chose to use some human beings to lay hands on them and pray in the name of Jesus, and that's how they got healed. I'm just trying to show the point that God chooses to use people. It is God that does the healing, we know that. But he chooses to use people. He uses body ministry. So that should be our expectation in this new year that God will use us. He will use you. Do you know it's in your job description? It's in your job description to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to heal the brokenhearted. It is in your job description and it's in my job description. Because it's in my job description, that means when I get my annual appraisal, I'm going to be measured against it. Yeah? That's how it works, isn't it? It's in your job description. You will be measured against it. So we've got to do it. Notice when Jesus brought up the disciples, he taught them, but he also sent them out two by two and got them doing. It is not just, oh, the preacher will tell me how to do it. You learn by doing. You go out and you learn by doing. Yes, maybe the first time it doesn't work. You don't stop. Because the word of God is true and sometimes it takes us a while. Sometimes we don't know what we are doing and God works anyway. Why? Because he's more desperate for that person to be healed. He's more desperate for that person to have a prophetic word than what you and I are. Holy Spirit knows what he's doing if we don't have a clue. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. We are just conduits. 
We are expecting a new building to move into a new building next year. Is it because a building is important? Not really, but it's important for us to be obedient to what God tells us to do. And it's important for us to be exactly in the place that God says we should be. And so there's some spiritual resistance but God has spoken so clearly and so we will continue to pray and do spiritual warfare until we arrive at that place that he has showed us. This is our calling, this is our expectation for 24. We are called to demonstrate the kingdom. Sometimes we think, oh, the, the church exists for people to get saved. Yes, but the way people get saved is by the people of God demonstrating the kingdom. That's what Jesus did. People saw. They were, they were astounded at his teaching. They were astounded at his words, but they were also astounded at the signs and miracles and wonders because there was a demonstration that could not be denied even by those that set out only to deny what, who Jesus was. His healings were demonstrating the kingdom of God in such a way that it could not be denied. That is our calling. That is our expectation for the new year. So what are the pillars, what are the foundations needed for us to be a church that operates in signs and miracles and demonstrates the kingdom of God? There's five P's. The first one is, not in any particular order, but one of them is prophetic ministry. This is why we have the prophetic school. Because the word of God says we can all prophesy. Some are more prophetic than others, but all can prophesy. So that means you can prophesy and I can prophesy. I remember in the early days when we were on prophetic teams, I would walk in and I would be like, <laughs> thinking, I, I don't have anything, I don't have anything, I don't have anything. And then I had to speak to myself and say, and remind myself that God wanted to speak to these people a lot more than I was concerned about whether I would be able to prophesy. And just trust God. It's about trusting Holy Spirit to show up. And He does. He does. And He wants to use us. Prophetic ministry is one of the foundation keys. Another one is power. The power of God. That we walk in the power of God. Another one is the presence of God. This is why one of the reasons we love to worship and we love in our services to have lots of time set aside for worship, for his presence to be manifest because he is so worthy. We worship him because he's worthy. Another one of the peace is prayer. That we have a life of prayer because it keeps us aligned with the plans and purposes of God, that we pray without ceasing. And the last P is purity. P 
purity. <coughs> to be used by God. We can't just live whichever way the world lives. God has called us into purity because our bodies are supposed to be dead. Our flesh is supposed to be dead, right? So we to live in purity. That's talking about our attitudes, our speech, our lifestyle. And I want to return back to the prophetic word we were given in November when we did the 21-day prayer and fasting. And we had set out to ask and fast that we would be in the right place, each of us individually, and we would be in the right place as a church. And then the Lord gave us this prophetic word and he's, he said, I've got the building for you, but you're not ready. And he gave us two, there were two reasons he said that we as a body of Christ, he's, that's him talking to us as a church, us here. We can't look around and say, oh, that was some other church. No, he spoke to us. And he said, some are unequally yoked. Some are unequally yoked. And the second thing, some are still broken inside. So how can we bring deliverance and healing and restoration to new souls coming in if we are not healed ourselves? If we are not mended ourselves? So the first one was being unequally yoked. Now, if we go back and read the Old Testament, the moral laws in the Old Testament, I tell you, if those laws were laws today, they would have, the population would be significantly lower. Why? Because just, just once, just once, somebody being unfaithful, they were stoned. The sexual immorality in today's society, I mean, it's just so far away from what we read in Scripture, isn't it? We are here today because of the grace of God and because the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from our sin. But as he cleanses us, he is looking for us to step in to live in purity. When we come to Christ, our life should be changed about and we no longer live in impurity and in immorality and no longer unequally yoked and our marriage is put in order according to scripture. Purity. God calls us to purity. And God said, some are not completely healed, some are still broken. Brokenness. This is talking about sickness of the soul. We hear lots of sermons about healing of the body. But I think we hear a lot less about the healing of the soul. Healing of the emotions, of the feelings, of the mind, of our will. God wants to heal. It's interesting that Eliana gave that prophetic word. She didn't know what I was going to preach. I didn't know that she, God had given her that word. But that is a word that God wants to heal memories. God wants to heal your memory. If you are still got hurt inside, it means you're not completely healed yet. 
You know, if, if somebody is in a car accident, typically afterwards, it could take weeks and months before their body heals up. If they're still in a lot of agony, that means they're not completely healed yet, right? So it's the same in your memory and your emotions. If you still have pain from certain memories, it means you're not completely healed yet. And the Lord says, He wants to heal you. He says, don't you know that's what I came for? I came to heal all your memories, no matter how dark your past has been. I came to heal all your memories. All the regrets, the shame, the guilt, the fear. The Lord Jesus dealt with all of it on the cross. Now sometimes God gives us the answers to the question why. Why did God allow this to happen? When we are speaking to people on the street, you get people that say, my wife, my mother, my so-and-so died of cancer. Why did God allow that to happen? Why, 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 why? I don't believe God always gives us the answers to every why because we live in such a fallen world. Now Joseph, Joseph eventually got the answer to all the whys. Years later he got the answer and he saw God allow certain things to happen in his life so there could be redemption for the whole of the Israelites. So he was given the answer, but in many cases in life, we don't necessarily get the answer to the why, but we do get the answer to what. Whatever it is, whatever pain, Jesus is the answer to bring healing to the pain in the heart, in the emotions, in the memory. God will answer that and deal with that by His Spirit. And you can receive ministry for that, to address the what. I believe many churches, we have failed to be able to heal the brokenhearted as they come in. If people come in and they have, say, an eating disorder, oh, well, just... just just sit down and listen to the sermon and you'll be fine. And what happens is the person is still hurting and they maybe don't come back. But we, as the church, as the people of God, we are there. It says that about Jesus in Luke 4, that he was anointed. Let's look up Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Are you getting it? Why is the Holy Spirit poured out on you? Your Holy Spirit is poured on you so that you can heal the brokenhearted. This is talking about pain in your memory, in your emotions. This is talking about having some pain inside, but it's not a physical disease necessarily. That is what the anointing is there for. 
and as the body of Christ, this is in your job description, this is in my job description, to heal the brokenhearted. Isaiah 53, 4, surely Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. It is the work of the cross. So this inner healing, this healing of memory is what we are here to do. And so if you have pain in your heart yourself, you need to come and receive ministry, which can either be divine, but most likely the Lord chooses to use body ministry. That's why in scripture it talks about you pray for one another, you lay hands on one another, you submit to one another, you confess your sins even to one another. In the Western world, sometimes we've forgotten this about confessing sins to one another. Yes, of course we confess it to Father God, but the scripture does say in James, that you confess your sins for one another, and then you receive your healing. There is something there that God has designed us to be dependent on the body of Christ and one another, and not just think, oh yeah, I will be okay on my own. I remember I was dealing with a guilt of a particular sin. And no matter how often I confess the sin, I still... I still felt such condemnation until one day at the ladies' meeting, I just decided to tell everyone of them all at one time. Just like that, that condemnation was broken and gone. Because the enemy always says, don't tell anybody. And so you live like this, burdened down. But when you open up and share in the right company, of course, in mature Christian fellowship, then you receive healing. So it is just how God has set it up. Now the Israelites very often harden their hearts. Scripture talks about hardening of hearts. But it can also be the hardening of the will. So hardening of the heart, hardening of the will. The Israelites were told, go and take the possession of the land. Oh no. Oh, we've seen giants there. We are like grasshoppers compared to them. So they, and they kept, they kept that tune going on and on and on. They hardened their will. They knew what God's will was, but they did the opposite. Do you get it? They knew the will of God. They knew we can be like that in our relationships as well. That we know God's will for our lives, but ah. Oh, We've got all these excuses. And so we don't come into alignment. And what happens? The longer it goes on, the worse it gets. Because God is not going to bless sin. He never has. He never will be. He never will bless sin. We have to get into alignment. So if we've hardened our will, we have to repent from that. And we have to receive inner healing after repenting and coming into alignment with God. Harden of heart. It's a bit like if you get hard skin. More and more skin growing over, then eventually what happens is you don't have any sensation anymore because there's so much skin over it, you don't feel anything. And people can be like that. We can be like that. We can build up walls to protect ourselves. 
We've been hurt in the past from people. I'm not going to ha- allow that to happen again. So we build walls. And we don't let anybody in. And the big problem with that, that might work with people. But unfortunately, we also build a wall so that God isn't allowed, isn't allowed in. And we are stuck on the inside of the wall. And we are not able to receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit through our brothers and sisters offering God himself because we have chosen to build walls. That needs to be addressed so that there can be inner healing. Psalm 147.3 He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. If you find yourself in this category, it might be a specific emotion, it might be a specific feeling, it might be a specific memory that's still hurting inside. Still hurting inside. But today, we can invite Jesus into that situation. Because if we open up, open up the wall, and allow Jesus into that memory, he will come and he will heal the brokenhearted. He will heal that memory. So, yes, you will still remember what happened when you were sinned against, you will remember it, but the pain of it will no longer be there because he carried on the cross. And we are here to help and assist. It's not so much that we are super duper at this. It's that the Holy Spirit is really on your case. The fact that he gave Eliana a prophetic word, not knowing that I was also going to minister this word. This says that God is on your case. Some of you need inner healing and you need to respond. And we are here to serve and to pray with you. You need prayer, come and speak to us. Do not ignore the voice of the Lord. Why is he speaking? Because he wants you to be totally free. So in 2024, you will be out there and you will be healing the brokenhearted. Because your experience will be turned into good. And you will be able to heal. Don't you think all these souls all over Livingston, West Lothian, don't you think they're brokenhearted? Because society has come to such a place, immorality has come to such a place, that people are really hurting. And Jesus is the answer. Hurts, fears, guilt, and lack are the four main areas. Hurts. We are hurt when people sin against us. Fears. Fear enters into our heart when we are sinned against. Guilt, typically it comes because we have sinned ourselves. Society today doesn't recognize guilt, but it is when, within our uh, DNA, it is within our DNA. If we break God's law, we we're gonna have guilt because that's how God made us. That is how God made us. And no matter how much public opinion says, whatever you feel like, just do. 
It's a lie. Because it's how God created us. And that guilt will not be dealt with unless the blood of Jesus is applied. We have to confess our sin. That is the only way out. Lack. Lack can be any lack. Poverty. It can be a lack of love. Many people are struggling with hurts because of lack of love in the past. Deal with the first time it happened and deal with the major point, the major, the one that is in your memory, that keeps you awake at night, that you are reliving over and over, the major event and the first event. If you deal with those, both those events, you will receive inner healing. You will receive inner healing. Because God wants to. Remember Peter, he denied the Lord three times. And so Jesus stepped out of his way. He stepped out of his way to restore Peter. And three times he said to Peter, do you love me? So whatever how many times we have failed, Jesus pursues us and gives us opportunity to turn every situation around. That was inner healing. That was a healing of Peter's memory. And he became a powerful apostle. A powerful apostle. This is what the Lord wants to do to restore every one of us. Let us open our hearts to receive from him this day. Amen.